Today I want to speak about provision of God in uncertain times. Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. The day I moved into college, I was surprised by who I would be living with. My roommate was not a surprise. He was a high school wrestler too, and he was an avid sports fan. We loved the same kind of music, the same kind of video games. We both loved to play NHL hockey on Sega Genesis. Dates me a little bit. The guy living across from me was not a surprise. We actually grew up a mile from one another. He was a high school football star. We didn't know that we would be in the same program together, so he was not a surprise. But I, I was surprised by who I'd be living with. His roommate wasn't even a surprise. He was relatively normal. But I was surprised. On the day I moved into college, I was surprised by who I would be living with. Perhaps I should be saying I was surprised by what I would be living with. Because that relatively normal roommate that my friend, my childhood friend, had brought a live-in guest with him. Just a baby. Some might even say a cute baby. But it wasn't a cute baby in my book. I don't think that an albino Burmese python can be cute even when it's a baby. But the day that I moved into college, I was surprised by what I'd be living with. I was surprised that I'd be living across the hall from an albino Burmese python. What are you living with today? Any surprises? It seems to me that most people have some thing, some albino Burmese python or another, something that has surprised them that they're living with today. What are you living with today? What is that thing that, that exists under the same roof that you do, a problem you didn't expect, an issue that you obsess about like I obsessed about that snake in the back of your mind? What are you thinking about when you can't sleep at night that you're worried might get out of the cage? troubled how it might bite or squeeze or swallow. What are you living with today? Seems to me that most people have some kind of albino Burmese python or another. The kind of thing, the kind of monster, the kind of surprise, the kind of setback, the kind of news that disrupts the person that you want to be. Right? That's what the python does. It disrupts the person that you want to be, the, the person that you know you can be. 
but it is invading your space and stealing your peace and putting you in a position to be someone you don't want to be. See, it is as Jack Cornfield said, if you can sit quietly during difficult news, if in financial downturns you remain perfectly calm, if you can see your neighbors travel off to fantastic places without a twinge of jealousy, if you can happily eat whatever is put on your plate and fall asleep after a day of running around without a drink or a pill, if you can always find contentment just where you are, you are probably a dog. Ruff, ruff. <laughs> so what are you living with today? What are you living with today? Seems to me that most people have an albino Burmese python of one kind or another. Of course, the python that lived with those very first disciples was the unfortunate reality that Jesus had left them again. This is their python because he was their hope for freedom from the, the regime of the empire. The, he was the prince that was promised, the one that would one day lead a, a military engagement, a victory over the forces that stifled what it meant to be the true people of God. That's who Jesus was. Now he's gone. They had followed him because he spoke this new kind of truth, a kind of truth that was better, that seemed more real than the rigidity of the Pharisees and the corruption of the Sadducees. There was something honest and real about this man. This, this was a different kind of person, and they followed him right into trouble. See, there would be plenty of hot water for, for them just for following him up to the crucifixion. There would be plenty of hot water for that. But on this side of the resurrection, think about how that changed things. On this side of the resurrection, the greatest event in the history of the planet, that earlier trouble seems trite, right? I mean, it's one thing to be in cahoots with the one who was out to topple the empire and reform the religion, but to be intimately connected to the one who beat back death not only beat it back, but then seemingly left them to fend for themselves, that's something else altogether. They're in trouble. And so now, as they sit together in the upper room, they are not alone. A python lives with them. A surprise that meant danger, and maybe the end of their story. That's where we find the disciples today. And they come from this long tradition of those who wonder if there will be a next chapter. This has been the rhythm of, of life for the people of God. This is the very reason for their presence in the city of Jerusalem on this day. They're there for the feast of Shavuot or Pentecost. And it took place in Jerusalem every year, 50 days after Passover. So they're there for Shavuot. Shavuot with Passover and Sukkot were the three religious festivals that required the people of faith 
to pilgrimage to the holy city for their observances. It was an agricultural society at the time, and so the purpose of this visit was to bring the first fruits of their harvest as an offering of God in hopes that the next chapter would be one that's written with abundance, right? The unpredictability of the rain and the sun and the insects, that, all of that was the python in the room for those that came to the holy city for Shavuot, bringing their first fruits, wondering about the next chapter. That was what they were living with that day. But the moment in the upper room can be traced not just back to the festival of Shavuot and the festival of Passover before that. This moment in the upper room can be traced all the way back to the very first Passover. You remember that slaves in Egypt, the Hebrew people painted over their doors in blood so that God might pass over their homes as he took the firstborn of the Egyptian children, remember. It was a punishment for the oppression of his people. Well, that Passover allowed them to slip out into the wilderness and across the red, the red what? Red Sea. Now, roughly 50 days, this is becoming a theme, Roughly 50 days into that journey to the promised land, at just about the time where their adrenaline is run out, the people begin to wonder again about the next chapter. Some wondered out loud if they should return back to Egypt where they were slaves rather than starve out in the wilderness. Others questioned Moses' leadership and others murmured about a variety of other pythons that were living in their midst. In the book of Numbers, there's actually something that we call the murmuring tradition. They're worried about the next chapter. That is what they were living with that day. And it was, it was just about that time, 50 days in, that they arrive at the foot of Mount Sinai. Now, do you remember what happens on Mount Sinai? Well, I'm going to tell you. On that mountain, 50 days after Passover, God gave them the Ten Commandments. But in giving them the Ten Commandments, He gives the people a whole lot more than that. He gives them a design for life, a design for what it will look like for them to be in holy community together. He gives them the courage to go from Sinai to the promised land. And it is that same kind of courage that he was known for giving the people when they came to Jerusalem every year for the festival of Shavuot. They brought their first fruits and he brought them courage to go on with their farms and to be confident that there will be a bountiful harvest. It's the same kind of courage that comes to those gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. This is what God is doing 50 days after Passover, 50 days after the resurrection. And the sound of a rush of a violent wind that came and filled the entire house, that is the sign of the Holy Spirit 
the advocate that Jesus had promised, a promise that God would not abandon them, even as they lived amidst the pythons, God would not leave them alone with those snakes. And it is that courage, this is the sermon, it is that courage, the same courage that God gave to those people through stone tablets on Mount Sinai, the same courage that God gave to those people as they brought their first fruits to Jerusalem, the same courage that God gave those disciples through the rush of a wind, that same courage is given to God's people in this house on this day. So what are you living with today? You stand in line, in a long line of people who have needed courage, and have received it. God gives us courage for what we are living with today through stone tablets and first fruits and the rush of wind. And now as we celebrate Pentecost, we see that God gives us courage by filling his people with the Holy Spirit. I was moved by a tweet that I read from an author named Sarah Bessie. Sarah is in deep mourning for her friend and fellow writer Rachel Held Evans. And she tweeted, I'm supposed to get back to work this week, but I've never done this part of my life without Rachel alongside me. I feel terribly lonely. From our old days of daily blogging and Twitter to writing our books, speaking, our conference, all of it, she made me braver. I worry, who will make her brave now? God will, but who will be her stone tablets, her first fruits, her rush of wind, who will be the instrument that God uses to bring courage into Sarah's life? Where are the people of God? Where are the people that will stand in the way of the Holy Spirit to be filled at and sent out as stone tablets, as first fruits, as the rush of wind? Where are they? Because the need for courage isn't going away. In fact, it's only growing, isn't it? Just like that albino Burmese python I told you about, that baby, I wish I could tell you that it stayed a cute baby snake forever, but snakes grow. They grow fast. Even in a year, that snake grew. And I would walk in and there it would be, dangling from the clothesline that's in every dorm room. We can only keep them hidden for so long, the thing that we're living with. And I'm here to tell you, we think that it won't come out, that thing that we're living with today, but whether you know it or not, the thing we're living with today, more people can see it than we think. Take that in. More people can see it than you think. 
Anne Weems writes, I see your pain and want to banish it with a wave of a star, but have no star. I see your tears and want to dry them with the hem of an angel's gown, but have no angel. I see your heart fallen to the ground and want to return it wrapped in clothes woven of rainbow, but have no rainbow. God is the one with stars and angels and rainbows. And I am the one God sends to sit beside you until the stars come out and the angels dry your tears and your heart is back in place, rainbow blessed. So what are you living with today? Whatever you're living with, whatever Python, know that as a Pentecost person, you are also living with the Holy Spirit. Never forget that. You are also living with the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit doesn't just live with us. It sends us out as stone tablets, as first fruits, as the rush of wind, to sit beside others until the stars come out, to sit with them as angels dry tears and hearts are put back into place, sit with them as they might bravely face whatever it is that they're living with. Sit with them, and you just might find that through that, God has given you the courage to face your own today, too. Amen.